You believe? Amen. Church, would you pray with me? God, this morning, we come into this place, Lord, and we say, we believe. We believe in your promises. We believe in your assurances. We believe in your goodness, God. And we don't just believe it because we read it or we say it with our, the words of our mouth, Lord, but God, we truly experience it. We have experienced the life-changing power of your love, God. Oh, Lord, we are so grateful for the ways that you interrupt our plans, that you comfort us in times of sorrow, Lord, that you show us the path before us, God. There are countless ways, Lord, that you show up, that you guide us, that you are real. And so, God, we say, we declare that we believe. We, we believe that you will do the things that you say you will, that you will keep your promises, that you will be present and active among us, Lord God. And so we come and as we continue to worship, as we open your word, as we hear this message today, God, we just ask God, that we would press in. That as we do say we believe, God, we want to press in today. We want to press into that to really understand what it means to say we're going to follow you, God. So God, I pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to lean in. To lean in and to experience the ways that you will change us forever. And God, that we are, that's what we're looking for this morning. So God, I pray that you would meet us here. Spirit, may your power be present among us this morning. May we have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that are willing to follow you and to obey you, Lord God. We give you this time. We give you all that we have, Lord God. Use us. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. You made it. You're the few. You are the brave. <laughs> I'm so glad that you made it. And you're safe. Praise God. Praise God. I'm so glad that we get to be in worship together. I think I say every time that I'm so grateful that we get to worship together, and I really mean that. I mean it because it is a gift that we have to worship um, in spirit and truth, this God who loves us so personally. And I love that we get to worship together as a church family. It's one of my favorite things in worship, to, as we're worshiping, to look around, to see all of us experiencing the Spirit, because it is amazing. We aren't just a diverse church in, uh, racially. We are a div diverse church in the ways that the Spirit has gifted us, the ways that we worship in spirit and truth together. And so it is beautiful just to look at the ways in which the Spirit um, touches all of us in different ways. So again, it's wonderful to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Rose. I serve as the Associate Pastor of Formation here at Sanctuary. Uh, if you are a newcomer, whether it's your very first time or maybe you've been coming just a few times, we do really want you to join us at Starting Point. 
Starting point again will happen after this service. You can meet us right by the table over there, and we would love to get connected with you. We would love to um, have you just hear a little bit about our story here at Sanctuary. So last Sunday, Pastor Edrin, our lead pastor, kicked off a new sermon series. And in this new sermon series um, that centers on the Holy Spirit, this sermon series is called Forgotten God, and its purpose is to really have us ask a very simple question. The simple question of who is the Holy Spirit? What is the identity of the Holy Spirit? And Pastor Edron began to answer this question last week when he reminded us of the simple and true nature of the Spirit in the affirmation that the Spirit is God. The Spirit is God as the creative Spirit and the completer Spirit. The Spirit is God's power at work in creation. The Spirit is also active today, bringing about a new creation here on earth. And really, this sermon series is meant to lay some groundwork for us as a church to help us understand very concretely and fundamentally the identity of the Spirit. And as we look at these very basic attributes of the Spirit, we might be a little tempted, Sanctuary. We might be a little tempted to think that we know this already. We've heard this before. We've heard this very basic truth before. But my prayer is that we would have fresh eyes, that we would have a fresh perspective, that we would even have a fresh desire to get more acquainted with the Spirit. Because we won't be able to accomplish all that God has in store for us, sanctuary, if we're not ready to be in a place where we are ready to be formed. So my prayer today is that, that we would all look anew at what we think about the Spirit, what we think we know about the Spirit. So today we're going to continue to ask, who is the Holy Spirit? And we're going to affirm this very simple yet profound statement that the Spirit is personal. The Spirit is personal. And my main point for this sermon today and this teaching time is simply this, that the Spirit is the personal presence of God, and we experience that personal presence in the Trinity's defining quality of love. Okay? Let me say that again. The Spirit is the personal presence of God, and we experience that personal presence in the Trinity's defining quality of love. Or I could say it a different way. I could just simply say the Spirit is relational. The Spirit is relational both within the Trinity and within humanity. And the Spirit's relational quality is defined by love. Now, church, I don't think this is new for you, but it's good news, isn't it? But before I pull apart this statement, and that's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at this main point and pull it apart a little bit. But first, I want to remind us of God's overarching narrative. God's overarching narrative of love in the Bible. And the Bible's overarching purpose could be described in many ways. We see the Bible in lots of different ways. The Bible in Psalm 119 is described as a lamp. It lights the path to guide our feet along the way. But other people describe the Bible in lots of other ways. Some people think it's simply a, a novel. It's a collection of stories. Some might even say it's a rule book, that it's telling us what we can and cannot do. 
But Sanctuary, I'll never forget when our former senior pastor, Pastor Dennis, said that the Bible is a love letter. The Bible is a love letter from God about God's love for creation. And we find this overarching narrative of love all throughout Scripture, don't we? We see it from the beginning when God lovingly and intentionally created the world and all that's in it. We see it in God's heartache when sin entered the world and distorted what God's true intention of love was. We see it also many, many times as God is continually trying to persuade the Israelites to turn their full devotion back to God, and yet they continue to turn away. We also see it in God's very plan to reconcile the broken relationships between humans and God. And isn't that the pinnacle of God's deep love for us? And in that, we see God's defining quality as love. God is love. And we're reminded of that in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. It describes God's quality as love when it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. And in the past when I've read this, and when I've read these verses, I've almost focused solely on the command that it is to humans, on this command that we are to arise to this level of love as we relate to one another in love. But as we consider God's overarching story of love, these verses actually uncover something more fully about God's character as love. In this, we see that God is defined as love. God is the summation of love, and the deepest expression of that love is recounted in 1 John 4, verse 9, when it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. That's love. So the reason that I remind us that the Bible is a love letter and God's character is defined by love is because it lays important groundwork for us today. If the title of the sermon is The Spirit is Personal, then we need to understand how that personal quality of the Spirit intersects as a presence in the world. How do we experience that presence in the world? Because I think it's actually pretty easy to affirm that the Spirit is personal, but in what sort of ways? What do we mean by that? And 1 John 4 shows us the Spirit is personal as a manifestation of God's love. So when I say this morning that the main point of this sermon is the Spirit is the personal presence of God and we experience that personal presence in the Trinity's defining quality of love, what I'm trying to show us, church, is that the Spirit's presence with us is identified by love. God is love, and the Spirit shows up in the world as that manifestation, as that activity of God's love that we experience. And if God is love, then we know what the tr- that the Trinity is love, because each distinct person of the Trinity enacts God's love in very different ways. God loves us by pursuing us and reconciling us back to God through Jesus. Jesus loves us by showing us how to live and giving up his very life for us. And the Spirit now 
is that very personal presence of God's love. So if we know anything about love, then we know the Spirit because Jesus promised that the Spirit would come, that would continue to guide us, encourage us in the way forward. Now again, sanctuary, probably none of this is new information for us. But, but might it be newly transformational for us today? Might we have ears, again, that hear and, and eyes that see and hearts that would abide in this truth today? So church, with that groundwork, let's go back to our main point. Let's go back to our main point and specifically that first part. The Spirit is the personal presence of God. What does that mean? Well, to understand that, we need to ask how the Spirit manifests as the personal presence of God. Now, to answer that, we first have to understand that the Spirit is a person. The Spirit is a person. Now, not in the, a person in the sense that we humans are, but the Spirit is a person and, and not an impersonal force. It's not this um, unknown energy. The Spirit acts in very mysterious ways, yes, but the Spirit is a person in the essence that the Spirit is an integral part of the Trinity. It's an, a co-equal yet diverse part of this unified Trinity. And the Spirit has a purpose. The Spirit has an intention, a purpose. This uh, scripture also shows that the Spirit has emotions. The Spirit has a will and is active. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the many diverse gifts and necessary gifts that the Spirit pours out to every person. Things like wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, even speaking and interpreting different kinds of tongues, many, many others. And in verse 11, it says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So it's clear that the Spirit has an ability, has a will, power to bestow these gifts. Ephesians 4.30 shows us that the Spirit possesses emotions. When it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Spirit is truly grieved when there's disunity in the church. The Spirit grieves when there's a lack of love for others and for God. So the Spirit is a person in that, that kind of sense, in a, an integral, equal, and active member of the Trinity. The Spirit is also the personal presence of God and the ways in which the Spirit acts in creation. And while we could go over dozens of Scripture verses detailing all the ways in which the the Spirit is active in our world, I want to just highlight a few of them for us today. And many of them are from the New Testament and so many specifically from the book of John. So I want to remind us that as we're looking at the Spirit, that we would look afresh at the book of John, the gospel. We see that the Spirit is active in our world with us personally in ways such as guiding us in challenging situations. The Spirit teaches us and reminds us of truth. The Spirit brings truth, uh, brings peace. The Spirit works in our hearts to convict, to change and restore. The Spirit is our helper, our counselor, our comforter. The Spirit also equips and empowers us. The Spirit's also a liberator, setting the dominated free. 
The Spirit is all of those things and so many more sanctuary. It's good to consider where would we be without the Spirit? Can you uh, imagine the loneliness without the Spirit's presence, that comforter? Can you imagine the frustration and the hopelessness? Or maybe we can. Maybe we are experiencing those very things and imagine how the Spirit might meet us in a very personal and real way through the Holy Spirit as our counselor, as our guide, as our teacher. Ultimately, the Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise that God would once again be present in creation. The promise and the presence of the Spirit is the assurance that God will never leave us, never forsake us, never deny us or dispel us. And that is good news for us. That's news that we need to carry with us always. In church, this week I experienced the very real presence of the Spirit. But before I experienced the very real presence of the Spirit, I experienced complete frustration. Total frustration. And I experienced complete frustration because the Spirit wouldn't let me do things my way. (laughs) And I'm curious, I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in that this morning, right? Have you ever seen, (laughs) wanted to do things your way, and the Spirit was just like, look, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Well, for those of you who know, and if you don't, I value a good plan. I know, shocker, right? I like organization and structure. It is my continual aim to work towards excellence. If I have a task at hand that I want to prepare, I want to plan, I want to control it. And if I'm honest, yes, I do like control. Yes, I do aim toward perfection. And this week, I experienced very real frustration. Now, you can just ask Pastor Edrin. It was difficult. There were multiple conversations that we had. I had text message, you know, texting back and forth. I was so stuck. In church, it was all because of the sermon. It was all because of the sermon. Now, usually when I'm doing sermon prep, you know, and, and writing, those things come pretty easily for me. And they're straightforward. Now, of course, there's wrestling and there's prayer. You know, there's discernment and study. But I can usually, you know, I can predict that it's going to progress in this predictable sort of way. And I'm going to get the outcome that I want. Oh. Oh. But not this week. This week was different. This week, it wasn't so much that the ideas or the study or the direction wasn't going well, because I had tons of different ideas. I probably had like 10 iterations of this sermon, okay? But it was something that I couldn't quite name. Now, every time I began, the the flow didn't quite make sense, or it it just wasn't right. And I was getting completely frustrated because I wanted something, again, that was predictable, that was calculated. I wanted to be in control of it, and I wanted it to be within the time period that I had allotted. You know, it's on my schedule. Come on, Holy Spirit. It's, this is the scheduled time. Let's work on it now, okay? But each time I started, again, I just knew something wasn't right. So throughout the week, I was asking the Holy Spirit Give me the right words. Give me, illuminate the right scripture for me. But I just wasn't hearing anything. 
Now, hours were going by, days were going by, and I saw nothing. So I tried to get things, my mind moving a little bit. Like maybe I'm too distracted or something. I had to get my spirit attuned a little bit. So I decided to take a walk and to pray. And while it was a great time of prayer, I still didn't get anything. I still didn't have like an answer. So then I decided, well, I'm going to sit in silence and really listen to the spirit. And while that like fed my introverted soul, it still came up with nothing. So I decided, okay, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to clean my house. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I decided to clean my house. And my house looked amazing. But I still had no direction. So then I thought, okay, I know. I'm going to power through my to-do list. Of course. I have this long to-do list that's clearly distracting me. So let's get through it. Still nothing. And it was at this point that I was just really hungry. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go across the street to Cub. And you know what? At this point, it was a low for me. I was like pleading. I was like, Holy Spirit, meet me as I'm walking across that street, as I'm going into the parking lot, as I'm looking for my food. Like, there's got to be the answer. I've got like something. Just give me something. Now, I went into Cub intent on finding and seeing what God was going to reveal to me, listening to what God might say. But I just walked away with chicken and JoJo's. I had no real direction. I, I know, right? I mean, it was a good meal. I was glad for that. I was nourished. But no real direction. And it was finally at the very end of the work week. I literally had done nothing for this sermon. And if you know me, that is very, very significant. And now my day off is Friday, and I really like to keep that time set aside for non-work things. Plus, I'm home with my youngest daughter, and come on, you know nothing productive is going to happen then, right? I wanted control and predictability. I entered into this process with a plan, with a to-do list, with an agenda. And I realize that the Spirit isn't looking for my agenda. The Spirit is looking for my presence. Even in prayer and petition, I was seeking my way on my terms within my comfort level and my timetable. And the Spirit simply wanted me to notice, to actually experience the very thing that I'm teaching about. And that's the power of the Spirit that the Spirit is personal so much, in fact, that the Spirit literally poked and prodded at all the things that I cling to the most to help me solely rely, to help me perfectly abide, and to throw control to the wayside and simply rest in the presence of the Spirit. It is not easy. It is not. It's not comfortable. Can I just say that? It is not comfortable. Now, after acknowledging what was going on and taking notice of the Spirit, I was like, okay, yeah, I see you now. I see what you're doing. I was actually no longer consumed with anxiety. And I was no longer frustrated and tearing up all my sermon drafts, Nancy Pelosi style. Instead, <laughs> I finally felt peace. I felt this 
peace. And this kind of peace was strange because I still didn't have anything done. And it wasn't a peace because a task was completed or a process was perfected, which that's what usually brings me peace. But I literally was experiencing the personal presence of God through the Holy Spirit on the Spirit's terms. Are we ready to experience the Spirit on the Spirit's terms? Can you imagine, sanctuary, the incredible ways that we'll experience the personal presence of the Spirit when we allow it? When we realize our stuckness, our frustration, our confusion is actually the Spirit saying, hey, I'm right here. Come, abide. You actually don't have to take your checklist with me. We don't have an agenda. Just rest. Now, the result is probably not the most amazing sermon in the world, but maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point with the Spirit. Maybe it's not supposed to be so flashy, and instead it's supposed to be more formative. And are we okay with that? Because I want something perfected, but again, the Spirit wants my presence. Now, my aim was perfection. The Spirit's aim was transformation. My aim was control. The Spirit's aim was faithfulness. And I truly believe, Sanctuary, that the Spirit is going to poke and prod at us. The Spirit is going to poke and prod at all of the ways in which we put up walls, all of our defenses, all of our coping mechanisms that aren't always healthy, that, are, um, that we put up because we're afraid But church, I fully believe that it's going to mean that we are going to be uncomfortable. We're going to be challenged. But I also believe that we will meet the very personal Holy Spirit in the work. And isn't that worth it? We don't know exactly where it's going to lead us, what we're going to feel. But I'm pretty sure it's worth it. What was most significant about my experience this week was the truth that the Spirit is reliable. The Spirit is perfectly and completely reliable to be personally present with us. So in understanding that first part of our main idea this morning, we can now turn to the second part. We experience that personal presence in the Trinity's defining quality of love. Of love. Now, in understanding that the Spirit is the personal presence of God, it's important to ask, how might we understand this personal presence? We understand and experience the Spirit's personal presence of God through love. And we experience that love not because the Spirit or God or Jesus thinks, you know, love is a really good idea. Let's try that, you know. But we experience love because God is love. Just as we read in 1 John chapter 4, love is not the Spirit's idea for harmony and good things in the world, but love is the Spirit's identity in the world. The triune God is love actualized. And as one pastor put it, he put it this way, the Father is the lover, the Son is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is that mutual love between the two. Love is the identity of the divine. Love is the essence of God. Therefore, it's the essence of the Holy Spirit. 
And in fact, in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25, the list of the fruits of the Spirit not only begin with love, but all of those fruits encompass and are characterized by love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with love. Now in asking what kind of love does the Spirit encompass, we see from this, the text that the fruits of the Spirit are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So that's the manifestation of God's love in the world. When we experience those fruits, we see the Spirit. Okay? But we know that love is more than an emotion, right? We know that it's more than just a feeling or an experience. Love, in the context of the Spirit within the Trinity, is relationship. Love is relationship. God's purpose and identity as love isn't simply, again, so people would be happy or do good things, but, it's so that, but love exists as a relationship. To know God is to know love. To know love is to experience a relationship with God. And to experience a relationship with God is to know the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the personal presence of God through love. And this is where John 3.16 helps us understand the second part of our main idea. John 3.16, a verse we know very well, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if the core essence of God is love, then God interacts with the world through love and the Spirit. And if love is a relationship, then salvation is the means to that love relationship. Does that make sense? When we have a relationship with Jesus, we have that love relationship. So remember the quote that I shared earlier, that God is the lover, Jesus is the beloved, and the Spirit is that love between the two. The Spirit is the love between God and us as well as through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So in understanding John 3.16 and God's ultimate embodiment of love in the world through Jesus, we of course understand the words, whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life to mean that when we then believe in God, when we enter into a personal relationship with God and Jesus, we are in a personal relationship with the Spirit. So Sanctuary, I want to ask us this morning, have we ever considered a personal relationship with the Spirit? We Christians, especially evangelical Christians, talk all the time about the importance of a personal relationship with God through Jesus. But might we have also missed or maybe even forgotten that a relationship with the Spirit is also very important. And it's not just important, it's actually the only way that we fully experience God's love for us. Because again, the Spirit is the personal presence of God through this love relationship. 
It's all intertwined. And it's not just the only way that we experience God's love for us, but it's the central way that we then express that love to others. Richard Foster once said something to the effect that the more you pray, the more that you rely on the Spirit, the more coincidences start to happen. Now he's, of course, being facetious and calling it coincidences, but what he meant was that the deeper our relationship is with the Spirit, the more we witness the tangible expression of love in the world. The more we pursue a personal relationship with the Spirit, the more we'll notice the fruit of that relationship. The more we'll trust the Spirit. And especially in challenging situations, we begin to notice an increase of coincidences when we, when we approach them by seeking the presence of the Spirit. And I know, I know that we have all been in a place where we have prayed to be better at something or for God to show up in the midst of something that's difficult or to help us when we're experiencing a challenge, right? Now, this may be a silly example, but I've already been pretty real with you this morning, so like, why not? But, <laughs> but I experienced the coincidental power of the Spirit, as Richard Foster described, in 10th grade geometry class. In 10th grade geometry class. Now, you know the Spirit is real when the Spirit meets you in a math class, right? Some of you know. Some of you know that we truly needed the Spirit to get us through math class, right? So here I was. It was 10th grade geometry class. And I was struggling, church. I was struggling through parallelograms and equilateral triangles and rhombuses. I had to look up those words because I kind of forgot about it. It's been a while. And coincidentally, this also happened to be the time when I began to dive into a deeper relationship with God. It was the first time that someone had shared with me the power of being in a personal relationship with God. So it was the first time that I was praying and reading the Bible and journaling more regularly. And you can imagine what was scribbled in my journal, right? God, please help me understand geometry. God, please help me on my test today. Spirit, please guide me in the right answers. Now, coincidentally, my grades actually started to improve. And you can imagine the joy and even the relief when I saw the fruits of those prayers manifesting as a 10th grader. Now, I was convinced. God was real. Math was getting easier, maybe just a little, but still it was getting a little easier. And I was not only experiencing the very personal presence of the Spirit, but I was actually beginning to trust the Spirit a bit more, realizing that the Spirit actually does desire to be present in my everyday parts of life. And now, church, I realize that this story is kind of silly, that it's simplistic. Maybe it's even a little superficial. But for me as a young person, that was the Spirit showing up. That's how I uh, related to the Spirit as being personal. Now, it probably helped that I did study a little bit more. I don't know. But I do, I do feel as though that was the Spirit meeting me in a personal way. Again, the purpose wasn't so much that I was getting better at math, but that I was depending on the Spirit, that I was inviting the Spirit into what was actually happening in my life and believing that the Spirit cared about what was going on in my life. But whether it was coincidence or not, I couldn't deny the impact. 
I couldn't deny this deeper relationship with the Spirit in 10th grade. I couldn't deny what the Spirit was establishing in me at that time. I couldn't deny the assurance that was growing to actually trust the truth of God's Word when I read it. And again, it's a silly story, but I've never forgotten it because it was the first time that I tangibly understood that the Spirit is personal. The Spirit is personal and present. The Spirit is active and engaging. The Spirit is comforting, relatable, assured, constant. Church, the the Spirit is powerful, real, and reliable. The Spirit is all of those things and so much more. The Spirit is personal. The Spirit will meet us in the needs of our life. And in those needs, I can guarantee, church, that coincidences are going to increase. Coincidences are going to increase. Prayers will be answered. Dreams will be fulfilled. And love will be realized. I want to invite the worship team to come up as we close the band. Glad that you're here. (laughs) I want us to consider this question again. Have I ever considered a personal love relationship with the Spirit? Have I ever formally asked the Spirit, I want to be in relationship with you? Have I ever asked the Spirit into a personal, transforming, real relationship? Have I ever ever considered what that might look like in my life? Or has the Spirit always been a thing, an impersonal force that's not concerned about me? Church, I believe that the Spirit very much cares about what you are going through, what you're holding. The Spirit is very personal. And I believe, I believe through faith that the Spirit will meet you in the needs that you have. And I believe in faith that when we come into that relationship with the Spirit, that again, those coincidences, that they're going to increase that we're going to depend more. We are going to probably be more uncomfortable, but we're going to be transformed by the Spirit. So we have an amazing prayer team here at Sanctuary. They are men and women who I know have a very personal relationship with the Spirit. So if you come here today and there are burdens, frustrations, confusion, hurt, whatever it is, know that they are here to enter into prayer, the very love language of the Spirit, to meet you where you are at and to provide comfort, provide assurance, and to provide strength. Would you stand with me as we sing together, as we worship together?